Retro Rebel Gamecast episode 74 is brought to you by templeofgeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at templeofgeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released every Friday, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your downloads and your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. What's up? How's it going? I don't know. I feel like I'm... I'm sound like a heavy smoker and i promise i'm not uh, not that that should deter anyone or that anything against heavy smokers i just uh, had lost my voice saturday and i'm trying to find it are well, you sick a new voice did you get podcast, ill so. what's that <laughs> i love that you're trying out a new voice for the podcast lols <laughs> yeah just for the podcast i don't sound did like you this get sick anyway. I'm not, I mean, I'm kind of sick. It's a long story. I have a, I have a long history issue with, uh, like acid reflux and esophageal stuff. And so, uh, sometimes it affects my throat and affects my, uh, my voice. And, uh, it was just one of those days where I had bad, I had a I had a bad day and uh, or a bad bad, bad gastrointestinal day. day. Yeah. <laughs> only only instead of it just being you know generally ruined, it just I lost my voice. So, so no big deal, not a big deal. But um, yeah, so it'll be a little raspy today, so you have to pardon me for that. But um, yeah, so uh, just as usual. So what have you been up to? You said you've been pretty productive. We were talking about that, but uh, have you? Has any of that entailed games or uh, the playing of of such? It has. I don't want to rock your world too hard, but I well, actually played a you... new game this week as well. What? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. okay, we'll share. Do tell. So it is an action-adventure sort of style game called Strange Brigade. Strange Brigade, Okay. Yeah, I think it's a bit of you, actually. I think it's quite fun, first off. Um, It is a British colonial, like, uh, safari stroke, Egyptology stroke, like that sort of, like, imagine the, like, safari hats and, like, Tarzan-esque looking British people on expedition um right and i i haven't made it super far into the game but it's kind of like a mild mild puzzler like there are some puzzle elements very very mild and then like action uh shooter action adventure shooter game with like blunder buses and like big comical style pistols and it's got like overarching like voice of god narration it's like well what will our hardy adventurers do you know like it's that like sort of, yeah it's it's but it's like very tongue-in-cheek like it's quite it's quite cheesy 
in a good way. Um, right. And it it's basically like, I think one of the adventurers has gone missing uh, on some sort of Egyptology expedition. You can choose from a couple different characters that you can be um, that all have different sort of base skills. And uh, you kind of go through these zones and, and solve kind of area-based puzzles. You shoot bad guys, you have like special powers, and you're trying to find out what happened to your other like expedition member um and it's got like uh reanimated mummy corpses and and like scorpions and those sort of like monsters to fight so it's it's kind of it's a cool little it's a cool little game um it the art style is is very um kind of like it's it's like a more animated art style, so it's not particularly realistic looking. It's more stylized. So I think it's probably like a cross between um, Borderlands and Telltale ish. It's not it's so not hyper shaded. Yeah, more of that sort of thing. Um, but it it's it's a nice looking game. It functions pretty well. I would say that you can kind of get overwhelmed with the bad guys. If you don't move around enough and use the environmental stuff, you know, then you'll run into some ammo based issues and things like that. But so far I've gotten through the story. I feel like I've gone through like maybe the first half of act one. Um, and it, it's a amusing and entertaining game. If it was, you know, on the used shelf for, you know, a couple bucks, I I'd definitely pick it up. You know, it's not it's not a bad game at all. It's not a triple A game per se, um, but it it's more polished than your usual kind of like Xbox arcade or Xbox indie title. Interesting. So, so but is it a it's not a new game then? Um, I don't know when it's come out. I think I better let me look that up. Um, it's fairly new. Yeah, maybe last year. Yeah, probably. Let me just have a look here. See what it says. It came out August 2018, so the latter part of last year. Um, but the best part is is that you can do like online co-op and you can um, like play with somebody else through the through the story mode, which is quite fun. Although I don't really have any play, I don't know anybody else that's playing this game, so I haven't been able to like do it. But I know it's an option. It just doesn't give you couch co-op, unfortunately. Ooh, well, I mean, it does give you online co-op, so that's that's close. Yeah, but it's cool. It's nineteen thirties. Like you really don't see that style really that often. Yeah. No, you do not. Um. Well, interesting. Okay. Um, well, I have, um, I have actually been playing Kingdom Hearts three as much as possible. And which is not to say that I play it every waking moment. I say that more like I'm trying to fit it in whenever it's that possible at all. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. just because if you play any of the other games and anybody that's listening, if you've played the games, then you kind of know what I'm saying that it's, it's heavily involved. I mean, you, this it's a, it, there is a considerable amount of time that is needed 
to invest in the, in this game. And I had forgotten that, I think, because honestly, I don't think I've played a Kingdom Hearts game in 10 years, at least 10 years. Um, I didn't play any of the games in between. And I may have mentioned this in the last episode. I don't know, because I don't know that it had been released. Maybe it had. Uh, or I don't know if, how much I had had a chance to play it. But um, the story is just... I mean, I love the game. I love the game. I love the game. Let that be my preface. I love the game. The story is ridiculous. Um, and I and I say that with... Like ridiculous good love. or ridiculous bad? Like ridiculous, like in general. Like it's convoluted. And like if you have not played the games in between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3, then you will not know what's going on. You do not understand all of the references and the characters that they're talking about and the history, the backstory behind all of those characters and the Keyblades. You get a little bit of that, a sense of that in the first two games, but they go into so much greater depth in uh, Birth by Sleep. And the only reason I know that is because I went back and watched multiple videos on the, the history of Kingdom Hearts and kind of like the story till now. So that I kind of would be caught up and I've watched it all and I'm playing it and I'm still lost. And I, and look, I realize that there are some people that follow it and understand it well. And they're, and you know, I'm not saying you're an apologist. I'm saying that in my opinion, the story is, is kind of con silly convoluted, but that's okay. I, that also is not a deterrent. Uh, or necessarily a detriment to the entire game. It's still a lot of fun. I still am enjoying everything that I'm doing and being back in these worlds. I just think that I probably play it from a much... I approach it from a much more superficial perspective. Like, I don't have to understand it to still enjoy it. So, uh, even though I'm trying to, I'm just probably not trying as hard as I could because I'm like, man... Xenohort and Xenonord and, and they're the same person, but maybe from different times, but no, now they've split hearts into different bodies. So there's three of them, but they all have different names and they're, and there's a chance that maybe one of them's bad, but they could both be good. Um, what? So, uh, if you that had just trouble, sounds like babbling crazy, just, then, just, so it, well, know. it was a lot. It was all made up words. As Thor says, all words are made up, but this story uh, is is just a little bit harder to follow than most, even in a, even for a Japanese RPG. Kingdom Hearts is harder to follow. So, um, but I but I've enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I spent probably two hours just building my gummy ship um, and flying around in that, and that's like only that's a side part of the game. That's not even like integral to. The story per se, it's just basically how you get from A to B. And that's a mechanic they kind of brought back from the very first game and that I've enjoyed. Uh, again, they may have used it in some of the other uh, games in the series, but I, I didn't play those. But um, I've enjoyed it. Uh, the gameplay is fantastic. The, the battle system is fantastic. Um, there are a lot of things to it, so the learning curve is a little bit high, but they allow... They allow for a lot of room for error as you're getting to know the system and the games and the buttons uh, and, and kind of how all of it is integrated into the battle system. So they kind of they allow you to work your way up to more 
there i mean even in the tutorial which is part of like a dream se sequence that part is teaching you how to fight like how to use the battle system and so they it's like a refresher course and it helps you get you know acclimated again and uh and all that's been good so i've enjoyed it i'm you know i'm 100 percent. if you like kingdom hearts one or two i fully endorse buying this one um but like i said my only criticism is that the story is so man it's hard to follow um but like i said it's hard to follow but that's not a it's not a detriment to the game i think i even said this last time but it bears repeating that merlin or whoever the main wizard is they call him like master uh yen yen sid disney yeah yen sid is his name which is just disney backwards wow okay <laughs> yeah yeah so he's his and you know it's like this big uh you know uh, square square soft slash disney crossover game so you're getting final fantasy components but you're also getting mostly disney components crossing over and so to have like the the main wizard master of everything be yin sid which is just disney backwards I said that to somebody who's been a big fan of the game and played it, and he had no idea. He's like, oh, my God, I never thought of that. So maybe if you've never thought of it, I've maybe mentioned it twice. So there you go. Um, but I liked it. So that's what, I've been playing that. I still have that other game, Mutant uh, Year Zero Road to Eden, I believe it's what it's called. It's you know that it's kind of an RTS-type game. Um, and I'm, I'm wanting trying to get back to it. Uh, I actually played it a little bit as well, and I haven't gone back to it because <laughs> there's this thing. Okay, so one of the mechanics in this in the game is you can be overwhelmed by enemies really fast, and it's turn-based strategy, so it's not an RTS, actually. It's turn-based strategy, so I get to do my turn. They do their turn. There are things that I can do that can cause them to skip turns and and vice versa, but I have three characters in my party and really, ideally, you want to sneak around as much as possible because if you attack the wrong enemy, that they'll they'll invite new enemies, and so that weren't on the on the battlefield to begin with, and then you can get overwhelmed real quickly. Um, and and uh, so I I learned the hard way as I attacked the wrong enemy. They invited like four more enemies, and I I knew I was going to be able to handle the ones that were on the field of battle, but when they brought four more. I learned real quickly that I could not handle that many. Um, but it is fun, and it is, I mean, there is a lot of strategy to it, knowing how to time your uh, your attacks and, and, and what to do in between and resource management, and that may not sound all that sexy, but it has been a lot of fun. Um, but I don't know when I'll get back to it. Oh, resource management, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, um... Well, that brings us to news. Is there any gaming news that you are uh, that was of interest to you? Any releases or anything uh, coming up, or that was that came up on your radar that you wanted to share? You know what? I'm going to surprise you again. I've actually got bloody gaming news. Who knew? What? Who knew? Man, I know. I'm so prepared. Yeah. I'm just killing it over <laughs> here. Absolutely killing it. All right. So what um, you got? So. What I got is uh, a game that I've been following quite closely, Cyberpunk 2077 from CD Projekt Red, oh, yeah. a.k.a. 
the studio that made The Witcher, aka one of the best studios going over here in Europe town. Um, the the Absolutely. recent news is that the team of people working on Cyberpunk 2077 is more than 400. And when The Witcher 3 was coming out, they only had 250 people working on it at its peak. So people are thinking there's actually quite a strong possibility we might actually get Cyberpunk 2077 this year instead of next year, which would be super awesome because I can't wait to play it. So that's my news. My news is that they've got nearly twice as many people working on this game as they did on The Witcher. And that means we might actually get it this year, which would be dope. That would be dope. Dope, dope, dope. Um, Well, that's great news. Uh, And so uh, that is a game that I'm looking forward to playing. And and if they can get it out this year, that will be something that I would look forward to. It's not on my list of games to look forward to this year just because I didn't think it would. Um, But that's that's good news. That's good news. well, I, I mean, I have, I mean, there's lots of gaming news out there um, that some of which is interesting to me, uh, but I don't know how interested it is for everybody else. You know, um, there's a lot of, there's potential shakeup uh, in a lot of the big AAA gaming companies with um, jobs being cut and, uh, you know, not meeting demands and not meeting, uh, you know, expectations. And that's unfortunate because, they still made millions of dollars, and, and but they're still cutting jobs and games. Uh, one thing that Disney did decide that I think is worth noting is uh, they had a, a, a recent staff meeting. And for Star Wars fans, this is where everyone expected to hear the, the next title for Episode Nine for the movie. But uh, that, alas, you know, that did not happen. But what did happen was... To the shareholders, and I guess to everyone else, they announced that that EA was going to continue to be uh, one of the uh, game producers or designers for uh, Star Wars games, but that they were open to allowing third-party development of Star Wars games as well, which is, to me, that's great news. Uh, And I, yeah, because that means that EA does not have, you know, exclusive rights to it. Uh, where they can just sit on the the franchise and just put out two garbage titles full of loot boxes nah. that you know um, I had posted in in chat you know for for us in the show about how allegedly uh, Bioware or or uh, I think it's Bioware was has has uh, attempted or at least approached EA with suggestions on you know maybe doing a new kotor and uh and they've gotten they have not gotten permission to do that i mean at the very least i think i can safely say that um i don't know if they're actively trying to prevent that from happening or if they don't feel like they can monetize it i think anything anything more than what i originally said is speculation but um i mean that's unfortunate if that is true that's unfortunate but it is good news to hear that that uh, maybe some third parties are going to have an opportunity to to um, because I have a theory. I have a theory that this Mandalorian uh, show that's coming out on the Disney streaming service. I don't know if you're familiar with that. 
But no, but I knew you, if it's anything Mandalorian, you're going to know about it. I will know about it, yes. Well, I, I have a theory that the, the 1313 game that was canceled, some of the story elements that were going to be in that game are going to be in this Mandalorian uh, this Mandalorian series. Uh, so I think we're going to get to see some of it. I think that's one of the reasons why they may have canceled it. Um, but it, But that may just be me being hopeful. Um, but I want to stay hopeful because I love Star Wars and I want it to be good. And um, <laughs> it hasn't necessarily been that way. Uh, another, one other piece of news I just wanted. There is a there's a game that was released. It's free to play called Apex Legends. Anybody you familiar with this? this no. game? Okay, Apex Legends. This might be right up your alley. Um, this is a... If I the best way I could explain it, it is kind of like a cross between maybe uh, Borderlands, very very distant crossover between maybe Borderlands, Fortnite, and Call of Duty. Okay. So it's first person. Um, you when you get killed, you kind of just disappear or teleport it away, kind of like Fortnite. Um, you have squads. You it's free to play. Uh, there are no pay to win mechanics at this point. Uh, and, uh, so it's, it's, um, it's kind of everything that Fortnite is a little bit less cartoony, um, but kind of fantastical. So still fantastical, but not quite as cell shaded cartoony. Right. Right. So just a different like art style take. It's a little bit different art style. Uh, I think a much better, more polished art style than PUBG for sure. Um, but it is supposedly kind of in league. There was, uh, the last I, or the, the last thing that I had read said there were as many as 2 million concurrent players playing Apex Legends. Uh, so, and it was just released February 12th. Okay. So. For whatever that's worth, I think it's it's worth keeping an eye on, and and it's in. I think it's in in good spirit. Like I mean, I think it's in the spirit of uh, of Fortnite, in that I think that they have the best interest of, uh, and I believe it's it's Respawn Entertainment. Yeah, Respawn Entertainment is who's who put is putting this game out, which is under the you know the EA umbrella. But Respawn, I believe, isn't Respawn the Titanfall. Developer? Oh yeah, I think it might be. I think it is, and I think that some of the fans were a little bit discouraged about that, that they weren't coming out with another Titanfall, but they were coming out with a shooter. But from the looks of it, I've seen it, I played a, a little bit, and and it's uh, it and it, it looks good, it plays very well, it's it was fun, and if there's any indication that it's um, that it's good at all, the fact that it took my son away from. Fortnite for just a little bit uh, was huge. So you, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he he actually put he he logged out of Fortnite long enough to log into this game with his friends. So, um, so I think that's worth mentioning at least. It's a pretty good vote of confidence these days. It's a vote of confidence. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, well, all right. Well, we have uh, over the course of three episodes laid out what we would put together as our Franken game, our 
our masterpiece of, of different genres and mechanics and various elements that we wanted to put into a game to make it, you know, the, the perfect game for us and what we would want to play. So what, what we were going to do today is put all those together into a, a prototype or, or, or a, at least the, the proposed game of the future. So each of us has, has kind of our set uh, of variables that we want to put together and we're going to put out our game that's going to make millions of dollars and they should all remember us when they do it. Um, and we, we've definitely said that at least twice. Um, so just keep that in mind. But, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. How do you want to do this? You just want to go through yours? Um, I've, I've got mine, but I, but I want to cheat and listen to yours first. If that's okay. If that's that's fine. Say. That's fine. I'm comfortable going first. Oh, very good. Okay. Are you ready? Well, by all means, this make a script. Jelly. <laughs> In a world. <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, so imagine yourself in a post-apocalyptic landscape. You are armed with Ivy's whip from Soul Calibur and dual foot and hand SMGs. You are probably wearing a preposterously tight bodysuit because that is how I roll. You have a <laughs> Fallout-style VATS ability to pause time and your enemies in order to acquire the perfect target. It is an Very action nice. RPG environment where your choices matter. It is high emotion. It is episodic. So the game is played in stages where each stage has a natural cliffhanger co conclusion that brings you into the next episode. You have Very a nice. team of people with you they engage in tongue-in-cheek banter. Your engagement with them, whether it is physical or only verbal, changes the story and the type of interactions that you get to participate in. But there is no warning that this is happening. So you are just conducting your relationships as your character would do so normally without any idea of how this is going to impact the final game. There are the options for relationships, but they don't pigeonhole you into specific choices. You can have many choices or you can have no choices. And it's not like you go on a mission and then suddenly get into these people's pants. You need to spend time with them. You need to interact with them. And if you didn't say things that they agree with, they won't become an option for you to uh, have a romance with later on. So it's quite an organic situation. But the game doesn't take itself too seriously. It puts you in good comedic situations. It is lighthearted. It is fun. And when it uses violence, it uses it to teach a lesson, a la Telltale's I Love You Brother segment and other more dark segments that you might have seen in Grand Theft Auto and games like that. And then lastly, your companion with whom you spend the most time with unlocks very deep dialogue choices. They become your sidekick. The person that you invest the most time with 
their character changes slightly to adapt to your play style. So if you treat everyone like a meat bag, they will adapt to that. And if you treat everybody well and take more of, say, a paragon path, um, they will adapt to that. Um, similar to the types of relationships that you might see in Mass Effect. So my game overall is a delightful blend of ridiculous weaponry, 360 acrobatic fighting styles in an action RPG environment in a post-apocalyptic setting with some ability to control time so that slow people like us with slower resource reflexes might be able to actually do something uh, with a big focus on NPC engagement and natural storytelling in episodic form. Okay. Okay. I love it. Um, I would <laughs> play that game. Uh, the Lambo. I, I feel like I'm probably going to cop out a bit in this, not because I, because I want to, I want to see this done well, and I think you could probably inject other elements into it and make it be any theme necessarily. But I want it, I want this to be Star Wars based. So what I like it, I'd like it to start out as you have your character selection screen, just like you did in Kotor, where you get to pick your class, you get to pick your, you know, your um, features and kind of how you look. But I'd like it to be more now in this instance i'd like it to be more of a uh, elder scrolls menu so i get to pick uh, from different races uh, and based on my class maybe that locks out certain races because they just can't be or aren't uh, found that way or found it you know in that particular field or, or you know as maybe certain ones can't be jedi maybe certain ones can't be or force sensitive because maybe you don't become a jedi um but I would like you to be able to have certain races, uh, and and uh, it'd be a select number, and uh, multiple classes. For each class, you have a specific starting place. For each class, you have a specific storyline. All of them overlap at the end, having one ultimate goal coming from, let's say you have eight classes, uh, or let's say it's more realistic. Let's say you have six classes. And uh, of the six classes, each one has its own storyline where it has its own uh, cooperative characters that you're going to meet throughout, you know, its own cast of characters that you're going to meet throughout the, the story. Some of which, if you don't make certain choices, you won't, you will never meet them. Uh, same with, with the romantic choices that you will have romantic choices and you will be able to choose whoever it is out of, let's say there's two romantic choices. You can choose one or the other, but if you choose one, you lose the other. And if you don't say the right things, you may have neither. Um, then that said, uh, that the the narrative, like I said, is you're going to have six threads all leading to the to the to the end, but the end being affected based on what your class is, what your like. It can change based on. The choices you make if you let's say you approach it from the dark side or from the empire or more of a neutral role of say a bounty hunter and this takes a lot of themes from the swotor uh, rpg mmo where you had these different classes and each one kind of had its own story thread each one of it had its own cast of uh you know side characters and companions um 
that you could use. But the problem was, is that there, the world was meant to feel big because you had, you know, it was an MMO. So you were supposed to see other people. Unfortunately, you didn't. So you, all you saw were NPCs. So what I think you do is you just shrink that world down to what's a much more manageable, less, don't pretend like this is not a linear world, which is what they tried to do on the, on the MMO. If you want to make it, if you want to make it uh, like a, a real RPG, if you want to make it like a real MMO or like a real RPG, then do something more like Elder Scrolls or like, uh, um, Skyrim, where you have this expansive world that you can, uh, that you can, or or have multiple ones like like uh, Mass Effect, where it's more like Mass Effect, where I can explore places, but I don't have this, I don't know, fake, fake open world where truly it's really more of a linear experience where it's kind of forcing me through this one path uh, that I have to go through. I, I should have a little bit of. I don't know, a little bit of choice um, or a, a bigger world. Um, okay. And, and I think there's a way to kind of bridge that where you have an open world that doesn't feel, that does that feels lived in. Whereas I think that SWOTOR kind of lost that because there weren't, nobody was playing it. So unless you were in like the hub where all people are, well, then you didn't see anybody. And so it just looked like you had one NPC standing over there and nobody else. You know? <laughs> I remember yeah. that. Yeah, and it was, and that just made it seem really empty because that person didn't really walk around or do anything. They would just stand by a computer, no matter what you were doing. It was always that way. So, um, but I think you you uh, you know you have a very specific story, and I think that that what that that gives you such replay value. And I realize that that's not what these companies are about. But if I played, and this is what I did on Swotor until, like I said, it felt like the world was dead. I played every character because every character had a, this beginning world where they started that had a very specific story. And then that thread eventually would, would culminate in this, this overarching narrative and all of the threads would cross. Everybody's story crosses, no matter which of the characters that you pick, eventually I would see it from this perspective and then that perspective. And I would replay that game. I would replay it in every single class because you, you're going to learn and see it from a different perspective. And based on the way you came at it, I'm sure there would have to be one ending that's canon. But um, anyway, that would give you some replay value. I want it to have online co-op. So you would have a party of three. I would like the battle system to be active, but that you could have not a VAT system, but a system where like when I went to pick something, I had an opportunity to, I didn't have to hit pause <laughs> or anything else like in Kingdom Hearts, I have to coordinate a sub-menu with my menu. So I have to be using the right and left joysticks. And then I also have to do the directional pad if I want to use items. Unless I use R1, which will bring up another menu. You know, So it's like, that's complicated. I'd like it to be where if it's my turn, I can select something for all my people. Kind of like Mass Effect did. Where I could... I could switch between my characters. I could pick a movement for them or pick them something to do. And then they'd go do it. And so I could see it play out in real time. Um, and then, you know, if I wanted to just keep picking the same thing, then it would keep, keep the action moving. But if for some reason I wanted to strategize when it came to my turn, I could just stop for a second 
and think, well, I want this person to do that. Maybe think two or three moves ahead so that I can go ahead and, and plan it out. KOTOR did that where you could pick like three things in a row and it would just have your have your actions listed. Like you could see, I can't actually do much else until these things, three things happen, but it plays out in real time, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, and uh, like I said, I'd like it to have online co-op where you have a spot in your party where someone else who has created their own character could come in and jump as long as they were on your side. So say for instance, they made a, an alliance type character uh, with an, or an alliance class character that they could jump in and they could play with you online. I don't know that it would work couch co-op, but at the very least they could jump in. They do stuff like this for Dark Souls uh, where you can kind of see the ghosts of someone that's showing you the way uh, or you could leave notes. Uh, that's kind of, you know, what we're talking about. I'm talking really more about you actually being to be in the party and help uh, kind of like Gears of War. So right. you could take part of one of the characters uh, you could actually play or you could just play one of the characters that I have in my own party. Maybe you don't. No, I think it's Diablo, isn't it? Diablo uh, three. Yeah, you, can you could jump bring in. in your character. Yeah, you can just yeah. jump in. So make it like that. Um, and uh, you know, so so basically, you have six story arcs, six six times to replay it. Uh, multiple classes, classes that are specific to whatever your your uh, your or races that are specific to your classes, um, and and um. You know, based in Star Wars, where even if you're force sensitive, you can be force sensitive that uses a you know a blaster and and uh, a vibroblade, and, and never use a lightsaber. You know, and just kind of tinker with it because there's got to be some people out in the galaxy that weren't officially trained, and so maybe that's its own subclass of smuggler that you know you you are more force sensitive. So you could do the same thing that you had with Mass Effect, uh, where you are. You know, kind of, is it a biotic? Is that? Yeah, the, biotic. Where you, but undrained. Yeah, which is like force sensitive. Um, yeah, so that that is my game. It's basically a Star Wars game. It's basically the best KOTOR that they haven't made. <laughs> I love the confidence here. I mean, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> it, will, it, it will probably never be made, but it should be. I think it's it needs to be. So I think it's a solid uh, premise. Yeah. I hope I mean I it they already made it and this is this is why to me it doesn't make sense why they haven't done this already because when if you played Kotor or Swotor the MMO that was a that was a a game that was all in, it was encompassed in that one like you bought the game you got all that stuff. You didn't have to piecemeal it. You didn't have to sell it out. There was no there were no expansions when it first came out. You could play each one of the stories. It would culminate at the end. And yeah, I think you probably will lose a little bit in the end, especially if all the threads cross. You're not going to have this maybe epic, epic ending because you're going to have to have so many, so much crossover that, you know, your, your decisions, I think, will affect more of your journey than they will the end, if that makes sense. Right. So the end, you getting to the end, everyone's going to get to the end, and, and the way you get there will be different, and there are multiple pathways to get there. However, once you get to the end, 
there are only a couple things that you might be able to do that will change the ending. Um, and, and so there may be something to be desired for some people for that, that not for me, I think making the 20, 30, 40 hours that you play, let's say it's 20, 25 hours per campaign and you got six campaigns. I mean, that's a lot of time to spend in the game and a lot of story to get. And, but that was what was released. Only it was released in a world that was, that nobody wanted to be in, you know? Yeah. So they, they took star Wars and they, and they, and they, not that, not that they ruined it. They just, they gambled that people would want to be there and they didn't necessarily want to be there because it wasn't KOTOR. You know, it was, it was something else, but all the other components were there and it was, uh, those parts were incredible. So there like you go. It. I think it's solid. It's solid. I think we got two solid games there. So any closing thoughts? Do you think we, we got a chance here? Can we put this together in a cohesive narrative and sell it? I mean, I've seen worse games sell. Can we talk about No Man's Sky? You know what I mean? Oh, like, at least yeah. there's a and full there's... game here with a point. So, there we yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could take half of either of the games that we both just made and, and make something fantastic. Exactly. Better than No Man's Sky. You know, less ambitious. I know that sounds harsh the to ambition No Man's Sky. The point, but... the point is, exactly, yeah. The, the point is make something, something that people want to play. Yeah. 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 Good. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All of the notes from this, this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.